Welcome to Election Connection. This is a show that will be tracing all sorts of issues and developments surrounding the upcoming midterm election in November. I am your host, Ruth Newman, and believe me, you do not want to miss today's show. So have pen and paper handy. You are about to hear a nuts and bolts explanation of everything you need to know about this year's voting whether it's registering, voting early, absentee voting, mail-in voting, drop boxes, and more. And in addition, you'll find out all about the two amendments that will be appearing on the ballot. Let's listen now as D. Pregliasco, president of the Louisville League of Women Voters, introduces the featured speaker who spoke Monday, September the 19th, at the Louisville League of Women Voters in their Democracy in Action program. Dean Pregliasco, I'm the uh, president of the League of Women Voters of Louisville. Uh, this is my second time I was uh, first elected back in 2016, and somehow I'm back. Um, so <laughs> what can I say? Anyway, uh, very excited that you're here tonight. Happy that WHAS is here and WFMP 106.5 is here. And the only thing we don't have, we just haven't gotten it together yet, is we obviously want to live stream these programs on Facebook, but we just haven't gotten that set up yet. And of course, I'm a little um, conflicted about that because over the weekend my daughter sent me an article and said that the Russians were involved in Facebook with the Women's March in 2017. You have to get off Facebook. <laughs> so. All right, I um, want to go through a couple things before we have our special guest, who's Susan Weston, who a lot of you know, uh, is with the State League. She is a constitutional guru, uh, knows all about law. I always go to her. Uh, she's my um, a legal mentor, even though I went to law school. She really knows so much more, and it's really great to learn from her. She's going to give us a PowerPoint, uh, and you can you write your questions down. She'll answer questions all about the new voting laws. A lot of people are confused, and in fact, apparently there's some uh, spreading of misinformation that if you have an expired driver's license, you can't vote, but that is not true, okay? So make sure people understand. We've verified all of that. Just because it's expired, hopefully not too many people will have an expired license, uh, especially those driving, but anyway, <laughs> it can be expired. I mean, that just happens sometimes. Welcome for tonight, and put on your calendar, remember that it's always the third Monday of the month when we have programs, and we'll have another voting and amendments uh, program October the 17th, which is the third Monday in October. And we feel like there's going to be still a lot of education that we all have to receive about all of these new voting laws and these amendments, and see what's happened in the uh, meantime. In addition, we have scheduled, we have actually scheduled ourselves, some with partners, Delta Sigma Theta, Alpha, Kappa Alpha, uh, the Urban League, Iroquois Neighborhood Association. We have 13, well, County WLKY, whom you may work with, forums. And so be sure and check out uh, the, the schedule over there. You're welcome to take any of those sheets. Uh, keep in mind that we've got Metro Council races. We have legislative races. We have school board races, we have one Senate race, and then you see some judges here because every judge is on the ballot uh, this fall. And in fact, Thursday, we're having the district judges at a forum, it's at Central High School, and it's, it's from uh, five to seven, and then on October the 6th, we're having the Circuit Court, the Court of Appeals, and the Supreme Court, October the 6th, 
and that's at the LBA, the Louisville Bar Association. And we partnered with about seven or eight organizations to do that, which is uh, really great because, uh, let's face it, it's, it works better for the community if we can partner with a lot of different groups. So keep that in mind. We're going to talk about these, but I want you to be sure that you pick up our two-pager that the State League put out on the new voting laws, okay? It's sort of a summary. Uh, Susan's going to talk about them. Be sure you pick up one of these. You're welcome to copy it, share it with any and everybody, scan it, send it out on your email to all your friends uh, and neighbors and relatives, because it's really critical that people understand what's different, okay? Uh, then we also, we're going to talk about these, Amendment 1 that's on the ballot and Amendment 2. There's some handouts over there for those, so be sure that you pick up those uh, also, because that's really, really, really uh, critical. Then also, as you know, we used to be have dinner in democracy, uh, but now what we do is called democracy in action. Because of COVID, we sort of gave up on the food, which is kind of too bad. It was kind of one of the fun parts of, I think, of what we did. We really got to meet with people, but decided there were all kinds of issues related to that. Now, before we get to what Susan's gonna do, I think it's really critical that you go online, govotekentucky.com, make sure your registration and people you know and love and care about and want to vote, that their registration is up to date, that it's got the right address, uh, if somebody's gotten married, they have to, you know, new name, all of that, those issues, make sure, and plus, the districts for the state as well as for Metro Council have been redrawn. So you may not be in the district that you thought that you were in. Like I'm in a, a whole different uh, legislative uh, district than I was before. Not in the same Senate district, but my legislative district's different. The Metro Council districts are different. So find out, make sure you know where it is you're gonna vote and who, who you're voting for, who your uh, representatives are. Now, we've also, we passed out cards. It works easier if during her presentation you've got questions or at the end, and I'll try to facilitate that even if you think of some question and you haven't written it down. Susan, are you on? Hi, Dee, I'm here and I'm glad to be here. It's an honor to be here. Let me go back to sharing my screen and start sharing what we put together for understanding the state of Kentucky voting laws and also on some lead positions. Uh, we've had a bunch of changes in Kentucky election law, and there are a few classic points also worth reviewing. I won't spend time reminding you of who the league is, because I bet you know, but it's classic to tell people about our nonpartisan position, along with our willingness to take action on issues. So I'm gonna try to focus in thinking about voting on five issues for citizens this year which are whether their registration is up to date, what photo ID they're gonna use, what voting option they're gonna take, and where will they vote. And then of course the big action item, how are you gonna help your family, friends, and neighbors answer these questions and participate in our democracy? Sure. Because the biggest goal of doing these presentations <laughs> is to spread the word and help everybody's voice be heard. And this is classic stuff. You're eligible in Kentucky if you're a U.S. citizen and a Kentucky resident, if you'll be 18 or over at the general election. It's a classic thing for me to underline. If you're 17 in May, but you'll be 18 by November election day, you can vote in May primaries. 
And that's worth emphasizing for our younger neighbors. You can't vote here if you claim the right to vote in another state, or you've been found mentally incompetent by a court, or you've been convicted of a felony and have not had your rights restored. We're trying to consistently share the link for looking into rights restoration for anyone for whom that might be valuable, and that's civilrightsrestoration.ky.gov. And we're telling people over and over, you can register online at govoteky.com. Registering after you confirm eligibility, there are four pieces of information you have to provide, including your social security number. And once you've done that and click submit, you're watching for a confirmation card that things were accepted. It's a pretty simple process. You can also continue to use postcard registration or a form available from the Board of Elections or from your county clerk. And you can send that in by mailing it. You can give it to someone conducting a voter registration drive. You can turn the card in at your clerk's office. That's the old-fashioned way. The website is the newfangled way. If you have registered, I do recommend checking your registration again at GoVoteKY.com. You can use that to update your address if you move. You can use it to update your name if you change your name legally. And you can spot any mistaken changes or removals. Therein, I have raised the scary mistaken removal problem. So let me share when your registration could be changed without you doing it. If there's a report that you have moved within the county, your county clerk can change your address and that could change your voting location. And that could be helpful or hurtful depending on whether you really moved that way. Your voter registration can be fully removed if the clerk has received a death certificate, notice that you've got a felony conviction, notice that you've been declared mentally incompetent, or that you have registered to vote in another state. Barring mistaken identity, all of those are pretty legitimate. And then the third thing to be alert for is, if you've moved out of the county, there's a longer process where the, the Board of Elections in your county sends a mailing to ask if you moved, and there's a waiting period through two federal elections. And if you vote at any point in that period, or if you answer the mailing, you cannot be removed. I think all of us should be extra careful to test this system by checking our own registration. But provided the rules are followed correctly and no one's uh, identity is misunderstood, if there, there are probably four Susan Perkinses registered in Kentucky. And if one of them got confused with another, that could create a problem. Um, but in general, I don't think this is very scary under Kentucky rules the way they're set up. It's just worth being vigilant for your rights and sharing if you see anything go wrong so the league will know if there's a big pattern of trouble. You are listening to Election Connection with me, your host, Ruth Newman, on WFMP 106.5 FM. And today's show is all about what is in store with the new voting laws in effect for the midterm election that is coming right up in November and how to make sure your vote will count. So let's listen in to Susan Weston from the Kentucky League of Women Voters speaking at the Louisville League of Women Voters Democracy in Action program on September the 19th. 
Next thing that has changed a bit is the rules for showing ID in Kentucky. You do now need to bring ID showing your name and your photograph, and there are rules on the sources. Kentucky state government is great, especially driver's licenses. U.S. government is great, especially passports. ID from any part of U.S. military defense or the state national guard will work. ID from a U.S. college, university, technical or professional school. ID from any kind of local government, again with a photo in your name. If you don't have any of those, you can get a free photo ID from state offices that make driver's licenses. And drive.ky.gov is the right new location. That's a change from it being done by circuit clerks, but it's now a state function. I am a bit concerned for people who don't drive that this is going to be a bit of a burden. But the best thing I can see to do is help everyone know it and help anyone who you know needs help end up with that ID. If you can't pull off even getting the free ID. There is still an affirmation role, and that's worth telling someone who you know is frustrated. When you go to vote, you can fill out a form explaining why you can't get the ID, and you'll have to show another form of ID, which will be a photo ID, a social security card, the, one of the benefits cards, a credit or debit card, or some other identification from a county approved by the State Board of Elections. That's a bit of a burden. I think we can push past it with extra effort to defend the franchise. I'd rather not make the effort, but we can do that. Next thing to absorb is we have four Kentucky voting options. And what I want to say is four, 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 four. It's a little too complicated. People try to make two of these be one thing, but there really are four options. You can vote on election day. You can vote for three days before election day without giving an excuse. And that'll be the Thursday, Friday, Saturday before election day. I'm going to choose that option. You can vote even earlier if you have one of the allowed excuses. And there will be six days for that before the early voting. And the last pretty familiar version is a mail-in ballot with an excuse. So we got four options. And a big challenge for every voter is seeing these and choosing the one that will work best for them. Can you repeat so, this, Susan? Repeat this slide. I think people need to go over it again. You want me to do this twice? Yes, do it twice. Okay, I'll do it twice, though I'm also going to do more detail on every step. Right. So the options are classic voting on Election Day, voting before Election Day without an excuse, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday before Election Day. Voting even earlier than that in person with an excuse. And we'll have six days to do that, all of them business days. And for anyone who wants to vote by mail, if they have an acceptable excuse, that's still an option. And if you just tuned in, you're listening to Election Connection with me, Ruth Newman, your host, on WFMP 106.5 FM All Volunteer Community Radio. This week's show is a rebroadcast of a presentation on everything you need to know about registering to vote and voting in the upcoming November 8th midterm election. It was given by Susan Weston at the Louisville League of Women Voters on Monday, September 19th. And now I'll give you some detail on that because it's worth seeing these pieces. 
For election day, we still have the classic 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. local time. Do be aware that voting locations may have changed. That could be because precinct boundaries were updated. It could be that there have been some precinct consolidations, so voters from multiple precincts share a location. It could be that a county has a voting center where voters from all precincts can vote in the same place or several places on election day. To figure out what your locations are, you can ask at your county clerk's office or at elect.ky.gov. You can choose find your polling place. That hasn't been filled in yet. What it says right now is information is coming. And it is coming, and it was pretty clear and pretty usable in May. But don't assume if you've had a habit of going to a particular community location that that's still the right one without checking. New option for all, voting early without an excuse. In the law, it's called no excuse in-person absentee ballot. You get three days for that, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before election day. There have to be eight hours of voting each day, but the Board of Elections gets to choose the exact times. And the voting will either be at the clerk's office or a place chosen by your county Board of Elections. So if you want to use that option, elect.ky.gov, again, is one place you can find your polling location, or you can check with your clerk's office. The phone number for the Jefferson County Clerk's Office is 574-6100. That's 502-574-6100. I like this option. I wish it were more days, but it is a help in terms of getting to the polls early, knowing you won't be held up, and making it likely that there's a smaller line for the people who do vote on election day. An option that's actually more familiar to some folks is voting even earlier with excuse. The law calls this an excused in-person absentee ballot. I find all these absentee ballots weird, but it helps to know how to connect it in the law. That'll be six business days before early voting. It'll be normal business hours. It'll be either your clerk's office or your county board of elections can choose somewhere else. And elect.ky.gov will hook you up with what those, the location is one more time. But of course, here you need to have an excuse. So the acceptable excuses are age, disability, or illness that prevents voting later than this window, living out of state temporarily, living out of county temporarily as a student, working or commuting during all voting hours of election day and the no excuse days, scheduled surgery or hospitalization for yourself or your spouse, pregnancy in the last trimester, election officers, military or overseas voters, and anyone in the uniformed services who's confined to base. So that's that list. It's not super generous. It's better than it was even a year ago. And if that's the option you need, by all means, take it. For mail-in voting, it's worth seeing the schedule early. September 24, less than a week from now, is the first day you can request your mail-in ballot. You'll do that at GoVoteKY.com. You'll be able to track your application once you've applied to see when it's being mailed to you. 
October 25th will be your last day to request that mail-in ballot. And November 8th is the deadline when your ballot has got to reach the clerk's office by 6 p.m. One thing to know, having said October the 25th is the last day to request through the website. If you or your spouse have a medical emergency, you can both apply for a mail-in ballot right up until November 8th. Uh, that's well worth knowing. And in a small shout out for marriage equality, notice that it's spouse only. So that legal recognition has value in our lives in one more way that we don't always think about. Voting by mail is available with any of a shorter list of excuses, age, disability, or illness, living out of state, in general, living out of county as a student. If you're going to be out of the county for all the hours of in-person voting, that solves it. Dee, I remember us talking about you having a planned trip. Yes. The law would change, so there's, a, there's an absolutely clear place you can check. Right. Right. If you're in jail on criminal charges but have not been convicted, voting by mail is for you. If you're in the Crime Victim Address Confidentiality Program, if you're military overseas, or if in general you are unable to vote on any of the in-person days. So this is a little expansion on the mail option. The process, I think, is worth mentioning again. You do the application. You can apply for an absentee ballot by going to GoVoteKY.com beginning September the 24th and following the instructions. You're going to submit, click the excuse that applies to you, and you need personally identifiable information for verification. I'm still trying to get to knowing more about that since I'm not eligible. But it's the equivalent of doing the photo ID, and that's going to be a little challenge for some people, I would guess. When the ballot arrives, complete it and use the two envelopes following the directions carefully. I've heard enough cases of people who slipped up on some of those directions that I think it's worth saying two envelopes and carefully. You can return the ballot by U.S. mail or to a county drop box. The drop box for Jefferson County is the Jefferson County Clerk Election Center at 1000 East Liberty Street, Louisville 40204. They need to actually reach the clerk's office by 6 p.m. on election day. This isn't a postmarked by rule. This is an it actually gets there. When you submitted your ballot, GoVoteKY.com will also let you track it to make sure it arrives. They're using barcodes. There are pluses and minuses to having a website structure, but the website structure does let us see where our ballots have arrived. Right. And if you get a notice saying you need to cure a mail-in ballot problem, be sure to respond quickly. It used to be you just couldn't cure it if the Board of Elections didn't like it, but if there's something like they don't think your signature matches, you now have an option. I will say I signed in as a voter in 1990. I went by this year and updated my signature because I just decided I probably had changed how I signed my own name. Here's the full schedule for the in-person voting. And you can see how this works for 2022. It'll be different in 2023. It'll be different in 2024. But that early with excuse is October 26, 27, 28, 31, November 1 and 2. Early, no excuse, just because you want to. 
is November 3, 4, and 5, and election day is the 8th. I'm guessing that they don't include Monday, November 7th for early voting because it happens to be the day after the end of daylight savings and perhaps that could be cause for confusion. So you can place yourself on this calendar or if none of it works for you, you have the mail-in option. This is a lot of options. It could be simpler if we didn't have the part about excuse for in-person. That's not quite how our law works right now. If you have a felony conviction and want to reclaim your voting rights, that is an option. And we want everybody to be aware of that, so we're passing this information around in multiple forms. Right now, to do the reclaiming, it needs to have been a nonviolent offense. It needs to not have been an out-of-state conviction or a federal conviction. But to check eligibility, you have options for that. You can scan the code we're sharing. You can visit civilrightsrestoration.ky.gov. You can call 502-782-9371. For anyone you know for whom that would be helpful, it's good to share this information. So that gives you the four big questions. Is your registration up to date? What photo ID will you use? Which voting option will you use? Where will you vote? How will you help family, friends, and neighbors answer the questions and participate? And our, one of our big lead campaigns is spreading the information so we can do that for one another. I do want to share a little bit about our Vote 411 effort, which is our effort to provide reliable information for voters. And this is very much a just the facts plus what candidates choose to share effort. So candidates are invited to share information and answer questions. Their responses plus information we prepare on issues will be available at vote411.org. Voters can search by their voter address, and they can also see critical voting and logistics information there. So this is a major league investment in making information available. Lots of things on the ballot this year. U.S. Senate and representative seats, Kentucky state senator and state representative seats, a whole set of positions in the justice system, a whole set of positions in local government, and two constitutional amendments. For basic information on the two constitutional amendments, Amendment 1 is on special sessions and could change how the General Assembly gets to come back into session. If people vote yes and the amendment passes, it means legislators will meet more often and change Kentucky law more often. It will mean the Speaker and the President of the Senate will be able to call special sessions. They'll be able to add up to 12 days per year to the legislative session. Legislators themselves will define the agenda, which is fundamentally the topics that can be addressed in bills passed during the special session. If people vote no and the amendment is defeated, we'll keep the current rules. That'll mean legislators can meet in regular sessions, for 60 days or 30 days, depending on the year, and the governor will call the special session and define the agenda. So that's a choice all voters will face in Kentucky. Amendment 2, which is getting more attention, will amend the Constitution to say nothing in the Constitution creates a right to abortion or requires funding. A yes vote supports that change. If it, that amendment passes, state legislators will be free to pass laws restricting abortion 
and those affected by the law will not be able to ask state courts to overturn those laws as violations of state constitutional rights. A no vote opposes the change, the state constitution would stay the same, and it would still be possible to take cases to court bringing a state constitutional claim. Promise, this is the just the facts, ma'am, helping voters see what the issue is, version of the presentation. Just to reiterate, a yes vote on Amendment 2 would eliminate the constitutional right to choose an abortion or bring an abortion rights case to court. And for anyone who facilitates or aids an abortion, Amendment 2, in conjunction with current laws, could mean a felony conviction, five years in prison, and loss of voting and gun ownership rights. A no vote on Amendment 2 would preserve the Kentucky State Constitution as it now stands, and it would still be possible to take abortion rights cases to court. If vote 411 captures your interest, you can help. If you're not seeing candidates answer the questions in your area, you can ask them to respond. You can share vote 411 with other voters. You can let people know that vote 411 and govotekay.com are ways to check on the registration. And heavens, we'd love to have some more volunteers. So we've shared both the email uh, and the CR code ways to do that if you'd like to jump in on that work. This is the end of the League of Women Voters work simply to inform people. We'd love to help with any other questions or share this information with other groups. You can meet, reach us at our website or at info at lwvky.org or at 502-875-6481. And where you're sitting, I think you might hear that phone ring. You can also join our outreach circle, which will set you up for election alerts, voter information, opportunities to pass information on to your friends. Just to remind you that you are listening to Election Connection with me, Ruth Newman, your host on WFMP 106.5 FM All Volunteer Community Radio. This week's show is a rebroadcast of a presentation on everything you need to know about registering to vote and voting in this upcoming November 8th midterm election. It was given by Susan Weston at the Louisville League of Women Voters on Monday, September the 19th. Now in this next part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming, the views that you hear expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. I do want to make a small switch now to defending democracy in our League of Women Voters advocacy voice. So this is a little different from what I've done so far, which is trying to provide just straight information on how things work to equip people to take their own action. We don't endorse candidates or parties. We do advocate on issues. Three big topics for us this year are defending reproductive rights, supporting restoration of civil rights to those who have completed felony sentences, and calling for better redistricting that reflects public input and creates fair district maps. So the League of Women Voters urges you to vote no in November on Constitutional Amendment 2. 
Our core reasons are it's a medical decision with the complexity of pregnancy and the language of the amendment is absolute and final and will make it impossible for women in Kentucky to access safe and legal care and could even threaten the lives of women having a miscarriage. The amendment is political overreach. It firmly sets the government up to reach directly into private medical decisions and we don't know what rights and freedoms they'd ask to take away next. For people who want to be pregnant, we're looking at something in which politicians are more interested in advancing their agendas and fighting for the people who elected them. They didn't think about those complexities in writing the amendment. And the estimate is that a total abortion ban would increase maternal mortality by more than 21%. So we are promoting vote no on amendment two. We are also working for better voting rights restoration. Kentucky is one of only three states that permanently ban people with felony convictions from voting. The number of people, of Kentuckians, who are not eligible to reclaim their rights, even under the governor's executive order, keeps increasing. So we're working to amend the Constitution of Kentucky so that it automatically restores voting rights upon completion of sentence. If you want to help with that, Another league team would love to have you involved at our regular number, or you can reach that group at RestoreTheVote at lwvky.org. Most Kentuckians support automatic voting rights restoration, and we're trying to, to play a role and make a contribution to getting that to become how our state constitution works, too. Finally, we keep coming on redistricting. Uh, this picture of the congressional map is meant to show you why it matters with that yellow first district being a really odd shape and a really big challenge to voter participation and the pink fourth district at the top not being a lot better. Right now, there is a case before the Kentucky Supreme Court on whether this level of gerrymandering is permitted by the Kentucky Constitution. In the coming months, we may get a ruling that overturns this congressional map and the state house of representatives map and that may give us a new opportunity to press for better public input and fairer maps we're hoping and i'm figuring the rest of my life i'm going to be working on this one <laughs> because it's a sustained challenge i might get a lull for a couple of years as we wait for the next census but if the supreme court rules on the i think well-framed claims in the lawsuit we may be back at work very soon. So again, love to share this information, handle other questions, and you can reach us at the whole set of contacts and you can use Outreach Circle. And with that, I'm ready for questions. Well, I have one. My first question to you is, what do you think is behind Amendment 1? Why did they put Amendment 1 on the ballot? I think fundamentally it's the legislature wanting more power over the governor, which is a classic division of separation of powers struggle. The legislature would like to run its own decisions. The governor would like to be able to check them by saying, here's the agenda you can work on. All right, questions. Uh, this is just a statement. If there's anyone here tonight who isn't registered, you don't have to um, raise your hand, but we can register you right now. That's really critical, okay? So if there's anybody. Or if you want to register online, 
type in GoVoteKY.com. So let me see what kind of questions we have, Susan. Uh, Susan, I don't have to ask you uh, about what's behind Amendment 2, but can you talk about how it relates to what everybody knows as the trigger law? Okay. The trigger law is already law, which is to say the legislature passed it before the Dobbs ruling came down to the Supreme Court. And it was set up so that if Roe was overturned, the law would go into effect. Roe was overturned. That law moved into effect. And now we're dealing in the big court case saying that violates the Kentucky Constitution because it's no longer possible to say an abortion law violates the federal Constitution. If the amendment passes, it ends that kind of state lawsuit. Because anybody who says this or that right under the state constitution means you can't do this about abortion will be met with this amendment saying nothing here creates a right to an abortion. So if this amendment passes, the trigger law will be completely secure against challenge in court. There will be no place for people affected by the law to go to court to get any protection of their individual liberty. If the amendment fails, the people suing in court might win or lose. Right? We might end up with the trigger law still being law, but we'd still have a, a way to fight and a way to press on laws as they're passed. So individual liberty will be in worse shape and things passed by the legislature will be more stable when they address reproductive rights. And so they would be, if it passes, they can pass more laws that would restrict abortion. Yeah, and I would expect that they will use that to include any form of contraception which often or occasionally or rarely affects a fertilized ovum. So there are modes of birth control that would probably also be at risk because they would construe those things as abortion, probably regardless of what medical expertise says about how those methods work. And that would also affect IVF too, would it not? I think so. I mean, I think it would put you in a, an obligation to perpetually maintain every fertilized egg created through the IVF process. Okay. All right. Um, Susan, do you know if other states have made changes to get more done in the existing time? There are so many bills processed that really uh, go nowhere. In other words, we're talking about the, sesh, the special session. Did you read that again? Okay. Do you know if other states have made changes to get more done in the existing time? I presume, in other words, in our 30-day sessions or our 60-day sessions, what are other states doing about the time that they allow their legislators to meet? Most states let their legislators call themselves back in session. Our more limited governor-based process is out of the mainstream. Okay, that answers that question. Chris, you asked that. It's whether or not we could get more done in 30 or 60 days. You started to... Okay. The second part of the question was there are so many bills processed that really go, they go nowhere, basically, right, in that time. So would it be better to have more time is what you're asking? No, it would be better to have some limit on the number of 
boutique bills that are filed or something. Oh, yeah. So what, what Chris is asking, Susan, is would it be better to have some time limit on the number of bills that could be put up? I, I think that's a valid argument. The League of Women Voters of Kentucky has not taken, I mean, that's an argument worth considering, right? It, it fits some of what we're seeing, and then you have to interpret whether it's good or bad. Uh, the League of Women Voters of Kentucky has not taken a stand on that First Amendment. We didn't see a basis in existing league policy to be for or against this amendment. I think one of the things you can look at is that there's some question of transparency if, in fact, they get to do these additional 12 days and do they rush things through or do they not do things at the end. You know, one of the issues with the legislature is transparency anyway. So the question is, we have talked about this, does it just increase the lack of transparency about what they do and what they want to do? All right, uh, Susan, you may know this, or uh, Tina Ward-Pugh, who's here, may know this. Are there any drop boxes, or where can you find whether your county has a drop box? Um, every county is required to have one. They have the option of having additional ones. Tina, is that what you would say? No, I don't know this definitively, but it's my understanding it's going to be at the election center, which is there at 1001 East Liberty. And where is 1001 East Liberty? What is it? Is it a building? Is it something recognizable? It used to be the, the old former Casa Grande, yeah. the old former Casa Grande and New Directions Housing yeah. Corporation. Oh, okay. Okay, where Casa Grisantes used to be. Okay, all right, that helps us. All right, Susan, if you can answer this or someone else, will sample ballots be available from elect.kentucky.gov? All right, one of our members says they're on govoteky.com. Okay, yes. But at applying for a mail-in ballot is govoteky.com. Okay. And should you be able to get a sample ballot there? Yes, but I'm not remembering the rules on how to do that. That's a good follow-up question that I'm not okay. on top of. Uh, it's on the box. Govoteky.com. It's got the six or seven box, uh, little box that you click on to. It says sample ballots. But it's probably won't be yeah. available till Closer to the election, yeah, probably. Closer. Sample ballots are now available online at GoVoteKY.com. All right, Susan, see if you know this question. If you move to another state and register there, do you have to send that information to the state you left before you can vote in the new state? No. It is not classic for people to report to anyone in their old state that they have moved, but the states have worked out an interstate agreement. So if you register in North Carolina, North Carolina tells Kentucky. There's a little vulnerability if they get you confused with someone else with the same name. But in general, that's an efficiency that spares you the problem. A few years ago, the state of Kentucky published a list of all of the people who had not voted in six years. And I read every name in Boyle County, because I live in a county of just 30,000 people total, and it was only 800 names. And I will tell you, every name I recognized was someone I knew had moved out of state. So we were not doing that coordination where we got word from other states. Uh, at one point, two of my three daughters were still listed there, although they would report into me by 8.30 in the morning that they had voted in their new state. But they were still listed as voters. 
So this state coordination, I think, is mostly a plus where you register where you've moved and word reaches your previous state and you get taken off of that list. Right. The only glitch is if somehow your name gets confused with someone else's, I think. Well, to follow up on that, on those boxes where you say, I am 18, I'm a citizen, the last one, uh, <laughs> it says, I am not registered in another state. It says, I do, not, I do not claim the right to vote anywhere outside of Kentucky. So you're saying that you don't have to make that effort. You could be registered in Indiana. You moved to Kentucky, but you didn't make an effort to tell Indiana that you moved. So this last box, I think, is very confusing. It is, it is the way the law says it. I would agree, as you're describing it, it is possible that someone will face a vulnerability. But I think the structural intent is that your most recent registration will result in the cancellation of your registration in a previous state. And that'll be done by connected computer databases. Thank you. I, I still agree, as you're describing it, there may be a vulnerability to voting rights there. I spoke to somebody at the Jefferson County Election Center, and what she told me is that there is no automatic data coordination. However, they do not police this, and that by signing your registration form, you are swearing that this is your current residence and your voting location. All right, other questions? Yes. Okay, the question is, if you get turned away at the polls, what do you do? All right. If you get turned away at the polls, check reasons. Be sure you're registered before registration closes first, right? And be sure the address matches. If you are turned away for lack of the right ID, press to be allowed to fill out the form and vote based on another kind of ID. I would be super alert to this issue of this ID is out of date. The law does not say current. Right, we talked about that at the beginning of our program. Right, yeah, and that, so I don't know that that's gonna be a problem, but it would be a classic way for someone who was being pickier than the law really lets them be. I do think this is, this is another reason if you can do the early voting, Go on Thursday so you can straighten it out on Friday. I think there's a plus to getting your vote in as early as you can to get around anything that's put up as a barrier to your voting. If you're at the wrong poll or they tell you you're at the There wrong may be poll. someone else who's got experience with this with relevant information. Well, in the primary, if you voted early, you went to one of the, I think there were three or four centers. For example, I was out of town, so I went out east uh, in the, wherever that park was, way out east. And there were lots of different polls that were there. But also when I've worked at the polls, if somebody's name was not on the list, they were immediately, we put them in touch with the office for them to talk to the office and figure out what had happened. So that's one thing that, that happens. But it's also why you should not only go early, but check online to make sure that you are registered and your name is right and your uh, address is right. All right. Recent yeah. Address. yeah, recent address. Yes, Barbara. There's also something called a provisional ballot. But that's only in federal elections. Yeah, only in federal elections. Yes. Other a provisional, provisional ballot, ballot is a good, important point. In federal elections, if they're saying they're not sure you're eligible, 
press for the provisional ballot so that you then have time to, again, to sort out whatever it is that's causing people to say you're not an eligible voter. But Susan, is a federal ballot only when the president is on the ballot? Because we are electing one senator and we're electing all of our congressmen this time. I don't remember. Does anybody else know? Okay, that's something we need to find out about. The woman who answered the phone at the Jefferson County Election Center told me that if you encounter any problems to first call their office, which will be open, and the number is 574-6100, there will be provisional ballots at the polling stations, but the Election Center recommends calling them first to rectify any glitches like misspelled names. Tell you what you can do on election day. If you turn away, okay. The board of elections will have a hearing. They'll have a circuit court judge. They'll have right. a Democratic and a Republican attorney sitting there, making sure everything is going through. Right. And what I've done that a couple of times. Everybody gets to vote if they go through that effort. They let everybody vote. Yeah, that's why we put them at the poll. They put you. We put people in touch with the office. Hearings. I remember. They don't call it. They actually have a hearing there. So. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you, Shannon. Yes. Question. Um, well, I put it on a. There, it is very important in Jefferson County that you know about this 1001 East Liberty Street, which is the because you know where you thought the, the county clerk's office was, it's not. And so, you know, there were all those strange, you know, college student from a different county and, and, and people recently disabled and things like that that might be much better off going to that, what we, I call it the large center, I don't know how large it is. And you are using um, electky.gov. Well, that, that's one of the, the places that you listed, besides govotekentucky.gov. It's actually govotekentucky.com. It's also elect.ky.gov, right? Yes. And you find out more about your county. Yes. Yes. All right. Other questions? Yes. Don't forget it takes extra postage on an absentee ballot. Yeah. All right. Yes. Extra postage on an absentee ballot if you're going to mail it in. All right. Yes. And if you are voting early, where do you vote early? Is that the 1,000? Yes. The Jefferson County Clerk Election Center is listed online at 1,000... East Liberty Street. The phone number is 574-6100. And I don't think they've announced the other places that you can vote. Have they? Okay, seven of them. So you can find that obviously online. Places that you can go for early no excuse absentee voting are the Jeffersonian at 10617 Taylorsville Road in Jefferson Town, the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage at 1701 West Muhammad Ali Boulevard, Sun Valley Community Center at 6505 Bethany Lane, Mary Queen of Peace 4017 Dixie Highway, Marriott East 1903 Embassy Square Boulevard, Kentucky Exposition Center, East Hall A&B, 937 Phillips Lane, and Old Foresters Paris Town Hall, 724 Brent Street. Well, keep in mind that the county clerk has all of those different offices, so I presume you, that's the offices we're talking about, aren't we? 
Because when you used to vote early at the Edison Center, because I've done that, you went in, you gave them your ID, and they gave you the right ballot because it's all computerized anyway. So it's really crazy that it can't be, still can't be easy to vote. Susan, anything else you've thought of that you want to tell us? Those are the pieces. I really appreciate this first outing for the presentation. And I wish I could have been there with you in person because I could tell the conversation was richer than I heard all of. I will mention I have been COVID positive for 12 days. So it was very bad for me to have been there. You can see I'm close to being done with this, right? It's not wiping me out, but I wouldn't have brought it into a room full of people. Okay. So this was the best thing I could do, and I thank you for bearing with it. And I wish I could have heard the rest of the conversation y'all were having. Because right. I'm sure it also would have been enriching, and I thank you. All right, thank you, Susan. All right, let's talk about a, a couple of other things before we finish up here. Pat uh, gave me this, and I, I meant to mention this. If you haven't read this, who is by uh, Professor Josh Douglas at uh, UK, this is really, really good. Vote for us. He came and spoke to the state um, league's uh, convention several years ago, and it's just a good, good uh, book. Keep this in mind, too. If you are a member of this league, you are automatically a member of the State League. Susan's talking about lwvky.org. And you're automatically a member of the National League. So it's not just us. Dee, I did remember one other thought. OK, tell us. Which is, if you're on social media, we are sharing these slides as individual memes uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you see one and think to share it, that will help us move the information. Okay, right. That'll get it to the people who, who are connected to you and help the information keep spreading. And I'd be very grateful to anybody who takes up that option. And then Thank you. And then what about uh, the, the webinars? Can you talk about the webinars? Well, it'll be two more versions of this presentation. And since they're fully online, we might skip the sound problems. One on the 22nd, one on the 29th, one evening, one morning, but I'm not remembering which is which. And those are listed at lwvky.org. So someone who wants to hear this again or knows someone else who wants to can listen in then and ask questions. And then we will also have it available as video. Right. So people can, can see it at other times that are convenient to them. So that website again. If you want to register for this webinar is lwvky.org and you'll also be able to hear it on our website in our archives by going to forwardradio.org and clicking on programs and election connection. Right, and we have that information too and we're going to send it out on our news also, so that you can watch those uh, webinars and you get tell other people uh, uh, about them too. Pat, what's the time on the book discussion? On the fourth Wednesday, next Wednesday at the 28th. Yes, right, if you want to come for this discussion, but really, really good. You can call the League of Women Voters here in Louisville to find out more about this book discussion by dialing 502-895-5218. Five two one eight. All right. Any other any other questions? All right. I'd like to, for you to remember this. Hopefully, because uh, we want to reach more and more people, we're going to do similar 
information sharing, but we'll expand it on the 17th of October, okay, which is the, uh, the third Monday uh, of October. And we want to get back to where we have really a full house of people. We're educating as many people as possible, as many voters uh, as possible. But thanks to you all for coming. Really appreciate it. Okay, anything else? All right. Thanks, Susan. Thank you so much. All right, all right. I'm out. That was Susan Weston, who is with the Kentucky League of Women Voters, speaking remotely at a Democracy in Action program that was put on September the 19th by the Louisville League of Women Voters, Dee Pregliasco, presiding. Now remember, if you haven't already, you only have until October the 11th to register to vote. Mailed-in registration must be postmarked by October the 11th. Visit GoVoteKY.com for that, to review your registration, to find your polling location, to see a sample ballot for your district, and more. If you have any questions, call the Jefferson County Clerk's Office at 502-574-6100. And to find out about upcoming events and activities at the Louisville League of Women Voters, you can call them Monday through Thursday between noon and 5 p.m. at 502-895-5218. This has been Election Connection. I am Ruth Newman, and I thank you for listening. Election Connection can be heard each week, Tuesdays at 6 p.m., Wednesdays at 10 a.m., and Thursdays at midnight, 12 a.m. Stay tuned for more great programming on this radioactive community resource for the people, by the people. We are your Election, election connection. connection. We are your Election, election connection. connection. We are your Election, election Connection. connection.